1: Welcome to the Professional Book Nerds Podcast. This is Joe. Hi. Hello. Today is that special day of the month where we look at next month's books that we are eagerly anticipating. So it is time for our March book picks. You already know that means Jill and Emma are here with me today. Hey, y'all.
2: Hey. Hello.
1: Y'all ready to share what's coming out in March that you just can't wait for?
2: Always. Yes. We've got a lot of books to get through. Let's do it.
1: We sure do. But before we dive into our books, just wanted to remind y'all to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, send us those ratings. If you'd like to talk to us, you can send an email to professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com, or you can reach out to us on social media, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok are at ProBookNerds. And all of that good stuff is in the episode description. Let's just dive in. I'm going to kick us off. My first book is called Community Board by Tara Conklin. It's out March 28th. Where does one go, you might ask, when their world falls apart? When the immutable facts of your life, the mundane, the trivial, the take-for-granted minutiae that once filled every second of every day suddenly disappear? Where does one go in such dire and unexpected circumstances? I went home, of course. So this book, we are looking at the Murbridge Community Message Board, where you're seeing wonderful things like 500 cans of corn, accidentally ordered them online. I really hate corn. Happy to help unload. Or reminder, use your own goddamn garbage can for your own goddamn pet waste. I'm looking at you, Peter Loughlin. Reminder, monthly select board meeting this Friday, agenda items, sludge removal, upkeep of chime tower, ice rink monitor, thank you gift. Questions? Darcy Clipper, prodigal daughter, nearly 30, has returned home to Murbridge, Massachusetts after her life takes an unwelcome turn. Murbridge, Darcy is convinced, will welcome her home and provide a safe space in which she can nurse her wounds, harbor grudges, both real and imagined. But Murbridge, like so much else Darcy thought to be fixed and immutable, has changed. And while Darcy's first instinct might be to hole herself up in her childhood bedroom, subsisting on Chef Boyardee and canned chickpeas, it is human nature to do two things, seek out meaningful human connection and respond to anonymous internet postings. As the town begins to take shape around Darcy, both online and in person, Darcy will consider the most fundamental of American questions. What can she ask of her community and what does she owe it in return? So super excited for this one. That is Community Board by Tara Conklin out March 28th. I love, I love a community message board post.
2: I'm glad you had this on your list because if it wasn't going to be on yours, it was going to be on mine. It sounds really good. I can take this into my first pick of March and I looked up how to pronounce this for once in my lifetime. It's Watch Me Struggle. It's Clytemnestra <laughs> by Costanza Kazadi. This is out March 7th. This is perfect for the Professional Book Nerds 2023 Reading Challenge prompt of a Greek retelling. So, if you're interested in crossing that off the list, I would definitely suggest giving this book a go. So Clytemnestra is the twin sister of Helen of Troy and she was the wife of Agamemnon. If you are not familiar with her in Greek mythology, I personally was not, but this book is perfect for fans of like Madeline Miller's Circe. It's pretty much an epic tale following This queen who takes matters into her own hands, she plots and waits patiently so she can take the power for herself. In Greek mythology, you see a lot of things sort of happen to women where they are bartered. um, They are not necessarily treated the greatest. And a lot of things seemingly are out of their control in who they are married to or who their parents are and things like that. But in this book, we get um, a really cool and interesting retelling from one of the most notorious sort of villains of the ancient world and all of the things that happened to her in order to make her the legendary queen that people hear about today. So that is Clytemnestra by Costanza Cassati out March 7th. And the cover is cool.
0: I'm all for any kind of Greek whatever.
2: Yeah. And it's, I, the description of this is written from her perspective where you can tell just by reading that, that she's fighting her time. Yeah. And I love that. <laughs> good times. Good times. My first one is
0: Wayward by Amelia Hart. This is about three women um, sort of weaving their stories together across five centuries. So in 2019, under cover of darkness, Kate flees London for ramshackle wayward cottage inherited from a great aunt she barely remembers. I'm already here. We got an inherited house. It's awesome. With its tumbling ivy and overgrown garden, the cottage is worlds away from the abusive partner who tormented Kate, but she begins begins to suspect that her great aunt had a secret one that lurks in the bones of the cottage hidden ever since the witch hunts of the 17th century. So then in 1692, Altha is awaiting trial for a murder of a local farmer who was stampeded to death by his herd. As a girl, Altha's mother taught her their magic, a kind not rooted in spell casting, but in a deep knowledge of the natural world. But unusual women have always been deemed dangerous, and as the evidence for witchcraft is set out against Altha, she knows it will take all of her powers to maintain her freedom. And then in 1942, as World War II rages, Violet is trapped in her family's grand crumbling estate. Straitjacketed by societal convention, she longs for the robust education her brother receives and for her mother, long deceased, who is rumored to have gone mad before her death. The only traces Violet has of her are a locket bearing the initial W and the word wayward scratched into the baseboard of her bedroom. And so, yeah, this sort of takes these three women and kind of weaves their story in and out of each other. And I'm always all about that. Also, witch trials. So good stuff. So that is Wayward by Amelia Hart. And it is out March 7th.
1: I mean, come on. Give me a witch trial. That sounds fantastic.
0: Crumbling mansion? Come on.
1: All the right vibes. (laughs) So my next pick is out March 7th. This is The Golden Spoon by Jessa Maxwell. It's only murderers in the building meets the maid in a darkly beguiling locked room mystery where someone turns up dead on the set of TV's hottest baking competition. Come on. Locked room mystery already set. Uh, baking competition TV show. Here we go. Perfect for fans of Nita Prose, Richard Osman, and Anthony Horowitz. So every summer for the past 10 years, six awestruck bakers have descended on the grounds of Grafton, the leafy and imposing Vermont estate that is not only the filming site for Bake Week, but also the childhood home of the show's famous host, celebrated baker Betsy Martin. The author of numerous best-selling cookbooks and hailed as America's grandmother, Betsy Martin isn't as warm off-screen as she is on, though no one needs to know that about her. She has always demanded perfection and gotten it with a smile, but this year, something's off. As the baking competition commences, things begin to go awry. At first, it's merely sabotage, sugar replaced with salt, a burner turned too high, but when a body is discovered, Everyone is a suspect. It's a sharp and suspenseful thriller for mystery buffs and avid bakers alike. The Golden Spoon is a brilliant puzzle filled with shocking twists and turns that will keep you reading late until the night until you turn to the very last page of this incredible debut. I love all of those words. I love a debut title. I love an American version of GBBO. So we're here for it. That is The Golden Spoon by Jessa Maxwell. Out right at the beginning, March seventh.
0: Every once in a while I read a book description that makes me so mad and jealous that I didn't come up with it. And that's one of them. Like imagine American version of Great British Bake Off where Mary Barry's actually phony and not as nice as she appears. Right. Phony Mary Barry with
1: nasty Mary Barry, <laughs> who may or may not be the murderer. Uh, we'll find or out. Or maybe March she's 7th. the
0: one that ends up. I mean, like, you don't write. She maybe she's the dead body, like
1: that's a good point. Everyone's grandma. Everyone's grandma. I know.
0: it. Oh, it's so good.
1: That's the stuff.
2: My next pick also sounds quite fun, I think. And that's Pineapple Street by Jenny Jackson. This is a debut. A lot of my picks this month are debuts, actually, which is kind of nice. This is out on March 7th, if I didn't already say that. This is sort of waspy, one percenty. Then, and we follow three women from a wealthy family in Brooklyn. So there's Darlie, the oldest daughter. She gave up her career and her inheritance to become a mom. We have Sasha, who married into the family and is constantly reminded that she is an outsider, being from a middle class family in New England. And then you have Georgiana, I think, the youngest of the family, and she's in love with somebody that she can't have and is trying to figure out who she even is as a person. So this book is described as a cousin to the nest by Cynthia pre Sweeney, if you remember that book from several years ago. And I loved that story. So this has lots of wit banter, gorgeously described scenery in New York city and the upper echelons of society. And it has all of those familiar passive aggressive family dynamics you may or may not be uh, familiar with. And this just sounds absolutely fantastic. So that is pineapple street by Jenny Jackson out March 7th. I'm here for all the family dynamics. Just
0: give them to me, all of them.
2: Yeah, those like messy (laughs) dynamics. Messy family dramas. Messy family dramas. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, So my next one is also a debut that also deals with family dynamics. It is What Happened to Ruthie Ramirez by Claire Jimenez. It's out March 7th. So the Ramirez women of Staten Island orbit around absence. When 13-year-old middle child Ruthie disappeared after track practice without a trace, it left the family scarred and scrambling. One night, 12 years later, oldest sister Jessica spots a woman on her TV screen in Catfight, a raunchy reality show. Just, that's Catfight as a raunchy reality show. So good. She rushes to tell her younger sister Nina. This woman's hair is dyed red and she calls herself Ruby but the beauty mark under her left eye is instantly recognizable. Could it be Ruthie after all this time? The years since Ruthie's disappearance haven't been easy on the Ramirez family. It's 2008, and their mother, Dolores, still struggles with the loss. Jessica juggles a newborn baby with her hospital job, and Nina, after four successful years in college, has returned home to medical school rejections and is forced to work in the mall. After seeing maybe Ruthie on their screen, Jessica and Nina hatch a plan to drive to where the show is filmed in search of their long-lost sister. When Dolores catches wind of their scheme, she insists on joining, along with her pot-stirring, holy-roller best friend, Irene. I already like Irene. What follows is a family road trip and reckoning that will force the Ramirez women to finally face the past and look forward to a future with or without Ruthie. I... I love the idea of like, a, you know, just imagine like you have this loss in your family of someone has gone missing. You don't know what happened to them. And then you're watching TV one day, like decades later, and you see someone who looks exactly like that person. And there would just be so many questions. I would totally hop in a car and be like, we're going to go there and find out. And... um Just like those family bonds and, you know, suddenly this life you thought you knew is upended because this person may or may not be back. And there's just there's so much to um, to sort of deal with. And I'm excited to see what Claire does with it.
2: Yeah, this book feels like it gives you a lot to sort of sink your teeth into.
1: My next pick is The Jump by Brittany Morris, out March 7th as well. From the acclaimed author of Slay and the Cost of Knowing comes an action-driven, high-octane novel about a group of working-class teens in Seattle who join a dangerous scavenger hunt with a prize that can save their families and their community. Influence is power, power creates change, and change is exactly what Team Jericho needs. Jax, Yaz, Spider, and Han are the four cornerstones of Team Jericho, the best scavenger hunting team in all of Seattle. Each has their own specialty, Jax the puzzler, Yaz the parkourist, Spider the hacker, and Han the cartographer. But now, with an oil refinery being built right in their backyard, each also has their own problems. Their families are at risk of losing their jobs, their communities, and their homes. So when The Order, a mysterious vigilante organization, hijacks the scavenger hunting forum and concocts a puzzle of its own, promising a reward of influence, Team Jericho sees it as the chance of a lifetime. If they win this game, they could change their family's fates and save the city they love so much. But with an opposing team hot on their heels, it's going to take more than street smarts to outwit their rivals. That is The Jump by Brittany Morris, out March 7th. No surprise here that I am excited to read this. It's giving Ready Player One. It's you know it's got all of that like vaguely post-apocalyptic in a different sense of the future where you know we're we're losing so much just for whatever finite resources are there. Uh, it's also got that kind of oceans vibe where we've got our team of skilled individuals. Uh, so very much looking forward to this.
2: That sounds fantastic. And as usual, I think the cover is pretty cool on this as well.
1: It is a pretty nifty cover. I I like the colors. I like the illustrative style. I'm here for it.
2: Speaking of fantastic covers, my next pick is The Foxglove King by Hannah Witten. This is also out on March 7th because apparently all of the books in March come out on March the 7th. But this is a dark epic fantasy. So the main character, Lore, possesses something called mortem or death magic, and it's a high-priced commodity in the city of Delaire. Lore keeps her powers pretty much on the down low, but when she's doing a job to run poisons through the city, something goes wrong, and her magic is revealed, and she's taken to King August, aka the sainted king. He gives her two choices. He can kill her, or she can be a spy for him and figure out what's going on in a rival court and kingdom. And so for her, the choice is pretty obvious. She chooses to spy, which tosses her right into this glittering court where pretty much no one can be trusted. There's also some forbidden romance elements, and she's got some things in her past and people in her past that she's been running from that may come back to haunt her or catch up to her in the present. So that is The Foxglove King by Hannah Witten. It sounds so, so good. Also has a great cover. It really does. It's so yeah. cool. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So my next one is Woman of the Year by Darcy Bell, um, out March 21st. So see, not the 7th. There are books (laughs) coming out March 7th. Most of ours, I think, are. But anyway, so 20 years ago, Gregarious Lorelei and Mousy Holly become fast friends as students in the same college psychology seminar. Taught by an expert in control and human behavior, the two students also grow close to their charismatic professor. But in one twisted moment of gaslighting, their friendship flamed out, and Lorelai's once promising future fell apart. Flash forward, Holly has everything Lorelai ever wanted, while Lorelai is a lonely cat lady. Okay, well, I take issue with that, but whatever. Now, Holly is even up for an award at a Woman of the Year ceremony, and Lorelai finally has the perfect opportunity to get the revenge she's wanted for years, but she's not the only person who has been obsessively following Holly's career. And when someone winds up dead, Lorelei realizes she may be in danger, too. Uh, yes. So this is by the author of um, A Simple Favor, which also sort of was a story of the sort of dark side of female friendship. Um, and I'm I'm really excited for this one. I love you know, that idea of like college friends and now frenemies and what has happened and someone's gotten more successful than the other. And it's always fun to see what happens when you put that
2: together. Okay. And I'm sorry to be this way, but the cover made me do a double take because there's I'm layers.
0: There is, there is a, I almost did not click on this because the cover gives a very different vibe mm-hmm. yeah, than I would have thought. And then I was like, oh, the best line author of A Simple Favor. All right. And yeah, um, it's yeah. not necessarily a bad cover. It is just when I read the description, there was a disconnect between the cover and the plot as described
2: in the description. Yeah, and hearing you talk about it, I went to go look at the book and went, wait, what?
1: Right. The covers the cover is not a bad cover, but it is a different genre, absolutely, than what this is, at least how I look at it. Or it just
0: I'll say it. The cover looks like a book of a paranormal romance where there's shape shifting involved.
2: Yeah, Yeah, or something. And so (laughs) absolutely perhaps more insight if we read it. But, I'm I'm sure uh, that is, but, but the, yeah, it. But the cover looks like a shape shifting romance. It's not immediately obvious <laughs> why there's cat eyes. I don't know.
1: The cover does not give like gaslight gatekeep girl boss. It does
2: not. <laughs> it <laughs> it does not.
1: absolutely gives shapeshifting. It gives romance. shapeshifter
0: romance, which is not a knock on shapeshifter romance no. at all. They just have a very distinct look, and I've seen enough of them to be like, this looks like that not yeah. in a bad way but just there is a look to the shape shifting romance and this is what it looks like but yeah. description does not give that at all
2: no
1: it does not seem as thrillery on the cover as as the uh the Correct. subject description and the the description of the book itself Correct. Lens. so yes. i think that's also super fascinating Another instance of like can't judge a book by its cover, I guess. Yes.
2: yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But this sound zo- this sounds fantastic. I love a good revenge plot. Yes.
1: Absolutely. So I am once again on my I wanna read a lot of YA uh mess. So my last title was YA. This one is YA. Uh, a little bit of YA horror for you. This is The Memory Eater by Rebecca Mahoney. It's out March 14th. So if you you know, need something after all those March 7th titles, literally a week later, here you go. A teenage girl must save her town from a memory-devouring monster in this piercing exploration of grief, trauma, and memory from the author of The Valley and the Flood. For generations, a monster called the Memory Eater has lived in the caves of Whistler Beach, Maine, surviving off the unhappy memories of those who want to forget. And for generations, the Harlows have been in charge of keeping her locked up and keeping her fed. After her grandmother dies, 17-year-old Alana Harlow inherits the family business. But there's something Alana doesn't know. The strange gaps in her memory aren't from an accident. Her memories have been taken and eaten. And with them, she's lost the knowledge of how to keep the monster contained. Now the memory eater is loose, and Alana's mistake could cost Whistler Beach everything, unless she can figure out how to retrieve her memories and recapture the monster. But as Alana delves deeper into her family's magic and the history of her town, she discovers a shocking secret at the center of the Harlow family business and learns that tampering with memories always comes at a price. So that is The Memory Eater by Rebecca Mahoney, out March 14th.
2: I love this concept. It sounds so cool.
1: Right. This to me felt really fresh and it pulls from from things that I've seen that I think have I wish have gone in this direction. So I'm I'm really excited to kind of read this and hear, hear how it goes. Um, aside from being in YA, I clearly seem to also be looking to be on the East Coast from Massachusetts to Maine. I, I guess those are my vibes right now.
2: We like what we like. Speaking of which, my next pick, I'm honestly surprised Joe did not pick, is Paris, the memoir by Paris Hilton. Now, this is a little bit of a stretch for me as a person who doesn't normally read memoirs or biographies, autobiographies, anything like that. But Paris Hilton is one of those people that was so synonymous and prominent with like the early two thousands. I remember so distinctly the influence that she had on everything on everything at that point from like the way she had her baby voice to the simple life to the fashion that she would wear. Everything was pink and sparkly and whatever. And What I'm so intrigued to see in this book that comes out on March 14th is obviously everything from her perspective. So she's an adult now. She's gone through a lot of life. A lot has been revealed about her childhood and even her time in sort of that pressure cooker spotlight of the early 2000s. And so I'm really interested again, to just see how she describes all of these things that she went through and hear it fresh from her, you know, words. The other thing that I find absolutely fascinating is that a lot of the things that she's famous for is absolutely a persona. And I don't know that people really understood that until perhaps recently, or maybe they don't even understand that at all. And so she has like a very distinct celebrity face. And I think that that is probably pretty different from how she might be at home or in her personal life. So I absolutely cannot wait to read Paris the Memoir by Paris Hilton. And this is out March 14th.
1: Terms apply.
0: Paris was like the first famous person who was famous for being famous. Yeah,
1: she was the the blueprint.
0: Yes, yeah. like the Kardashians exist because of Paris Hilton. Like they exactly.
1: walked, so the Kardashians could run. Yeah.
2: Exactly. And I saw her one time in a Macy's in San Francisco. Nice. Uh-huh. In like this peak era, it nice. was wild I think she maybe had a fragrance out or something oh probably Paris
1: by Paris Hilton I'm sure
2: yeah exactly all I can
1: say is that's hot (laughs) (sighs) I love this cover I'm mad it's not on my list I'm glad it's on yours I I want to read everything because you made the the big point Emma like no one seemed to understand that this was a persona and she had a whole life and she was also smart like what the Kardashians didn't pick up from her is that she had her own life Correct. outside of her public persona. And yes. uh, yeah,
2: is that I think I I'd like wait. to hear more about this, what seems like very strategic choices of what yes. to present to the public and what not to. And that in her right. real life, she's a very savvy businesswoman. She's created a global empire. She DJs, she has all of these different avenues with which she produces things. And I think that people forget that a lot in terms of what she's actually accomplished and just remember her as kind of that dumb, you know, teenage blonde from, you know, 2003's the simple life. Yes. My next one is the London
0: Seance Society by Sarah Penner. It is out March 21st. So in 1873, yeah, you can't see Joe, but Joe is like cheering. Um, 1873, an abandoned chateau on the outskirts of Paris, a dark seance is about to take place led by acclaimed spiritualist, Vaudeline Dallaire, known worldwide for her talent in conjuring the spirits of murder victims to ascertain the identities of the people who killed them. She is highly sought after by widows and investigators alike. Lena Wicks has come to Paris to find answers about her own sister's death, but to do so, she must embrace the unknown and overcome her own logic-driven bias against the occult. When Vaudeline is beckoned to England to solve a high-profile murder, Lena accompanies her as an understudy. But as the women team up with the powerful men of London's exclusive séance society to solve the murder— they begin to suspect that they are not merely out to solve a crime, but perhaps entangled in one themselves. Um, I love every single one of these words in this exact order. No notes. 10 out of 10.
1: Zero notes. <laughs> I I need this book. I love the period <sighs> that is specifically in around yes. spiritualism, spiritualism, occultism. Like
0: Victorian England. I mean, like or Paris, like just, big Vic- europe yes. right oh, God. the
1: victorian age while people are just uh, vibing out thinking that this is how they're going to see their lost loved ones from the war like it's so good it's just so perfect and then oh we're gonna just like you know it's an episode of medium right here we're gonna talk to the ghosts and solve their murders yep i'm here for it
0: i'm here for it yeah powerful men of london's exclusive say on society <laughs> okay please tell me more
1: yeah like you said no notes no notes my next pick is out march 21st and i am taking a page out of emma's book and i'm gonna dive in and challenge myself with a fantasy romance this is the witch and the vampire by francesca flores so the witch and the vampire is a queer rapunzel retelling where a witch and a vampire who trust no one but themselves must journey together through a cursed forest with danger at every turn Ava and Kay used to be best friends until one night two years ago, vampires broke through the magical barrier protecting their town and in the ensuing attack, Kay's mother was killed and Ava was turned into a vampire. Since then, Ava has been trapped in her house. Her mother Eugenia needs her. Ava still has her witch powers and Eugenia must take them in order to hide that she's a vampire as well. Desperate to escape her confinement and stop her mother's plans to destroy the town, Ava must break out flee to the forest, and seek help from the vampires who live there. When there is another attack, she sees her opportunity and escapes. Kay, now at the end of her training as a flame witch, is ready to fulfill her duty of killing any vampires that threaten the town, including Ava. On the night that Ava escapes, Kay follows her and convinces her to travel together into the forest while secretly planning to turn her in. Ava agrees, hoping to rekindle their old friendship and the romantic feelings she'd started to have for Kay before the terrible night. But with monstrous trees that devour humans whole, vampires who attack from above, and Ava's stepfather tracking her, the woods are full of danger. As they travel deeper into the forest, Kay questions everything she thought she knew. The two are each other's greatest threat, and also their only hope. If they want to make it through the forest unscathed so that is the witch and the vampire by francesca flores out march 21st i i think those were some pretty good words
2: definitely and i'm sorry but the cover is also incredible Mm
1: -hmm. it's botanical we've got you know some great nail art it's just mm -hmm. i'm here i'm ready
2: stunning yeah, it's giving what I wanted to give. Like my next pick, Stars and Smoke by Marie Lou. This is out on March 28th. This is a young adult pick. We have Enemies to Lovers. I feel like that's really all I need to say in order for you to know why it's one of my picks. But here we have Winter Young. He's a pop sensation. Think like sold out stadiums, absolutely rabid fan base. Who will move mountains to get a glimpse of him anything his personal life whatever and then we have sydney she's a young spy in a covert ops group their worlds collide when a crime boss hires winter to give his daughter a private concert sydney is then assigned to be winter's bodyguard to try and infiltrate this crime ring the rest is history that's it. That's all. That's the summary. So that is Stars and Smoke by Marie Lou, out March 28th. Again, there's romance, danger, bodyguard trope, enemies to lovers, international pop sensations. That's it. <laughs> Love, we love Marie Lou. Yeah. Oh, that and, too. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> love to see her back with a new book. Absolutely. Um, my next
0: one is Flux by Chin Wu Chong. It is out March 21st, four days before Christmas. Eight-year-old Bo loses his mother in a tragic accident. 28 year old Brandon loses his job after a hostile takeover of his big media employer. And 48 year old Blue, a key witness in a criminal trial against an infamous, now defunct tech startup, struggles to reconnect with his family. So begins Chin Wu Chong's dazzling, time bending debut that blends elements of neo noir and speculative fiction as the lives of Bo, Brandon, and Blue begin to intersect, uncovering a vast network of secrets and an experimental technology that threatens to upend life itself. Intertwined with them is a saga of an iconic 80s detective show raider whose star actor has imploded spectacularly after revelations of long-term concealed abuse. Flux is a haunting and sometimes shocking exploration of the cyclical nature of grief, moving past trauma and of the pervasive nature of whiteness within the development of Asian identity in America. Uh, I don't even know where to start just that that sounds incredible. Incredible.
1: We're all fans of working with time, time bending, time yes. jumps. So this, yeah, this,
0: this, yes, <laughs> this right here this right here
1: give me that please
0: (laughs) yes just inject it into me
1: so my next pick out toward the end of the month march 28th is in nightfall by suzanne young i'm gonna start with the cover i'm gonna i'm gonna start right there because the cover i love i love the style it's super artistic and to me it's very chilling adventures of sabrina on netflix so i can't be mad at that uh so let's let's hear what this is about We already love the cover, let's dive in. So in the quaint town of Nightfall, Oregon, I have now switched to the West Coast. It isn't the dark you should be afraid of, it's the girls. The Lost Boys meets Buffy the Vampire Slayer in this propulsive novel from the New York Times bestselling author of The Treatment. Theo and her brother Marco threw the biggest party of the year and got caught. Their punishment? Leave Arizona to spend the summer with their grandmother in the rainy beachside town of Nightfall, Oregon, population 846 souls. The small town is cute when it's not raining, but their grandmother is superstitious and strangely antisocial. Upon their arrival, she lays out the one house rule, always be home before dark. But Theo and Marco are determined to make the most of their summer, and on their first day, they meet the enigmatic Mino and her friends. Beautiful and charismatic, the girls have a magnetic pull that Theo and her brother can't resist. But Mino and her friends are far from what they appear, and that one rule, Theo quickly realizes she should have listened to her grandmother, because after dark, something emerges in nightfall, and it doesn't plan to let her leave. So uh
2: that's, Oh, go ahead. Oh, I'm just losing my mind at how good that sounds, I'm right? not even letting you finish your thought.
1: Don't even worry about it, because it does sound so good. I mean, like, it follows twilight parallels because we're going That's from Arizona to the rainy.
2: <laughs> How you liking in the rain girl. Sorry. I can't, I had to, but also it's giving like Buffy, the vampire slayer mm-hmm. vibes and like
1: Buffy, the vampire slayer, chilling adventures of Sabrina.
2: Yeah. 80s,
1: 80s, like power women. It's Heather's. It's, it's like, Every yeah, kind of clicky. really good mean girl, except they're also—I'm going to guess—some sort of monsters. Yeah, I'm here for it. Can't so that's be. in Nightfall by Suzanne Young, out March twenty-eighth. You will have to wait a little bit before you can read it, but I'm I'm jazzed.
2: That sounds so good. I'm so sorry for quoting Twilight in this episode. That was embarrassing. <laughs> My next pick is absolutely nothing close to those vibes, but hopefully good vibes all the same. And that is bitter medicine by Mia Sai, March 14th. You'll be able to read this. This is another stunning debut. So I would absolutely put this author on your list to watch, but This is an inspired contemporary fantasy where you have a Chinese immortal and a French elf. They try to balance new romance, familial loyalty, and workplace demands. You know, just a couple of things going on here. But as a descendant of the Chinese god of medicine, ignored middle child Elle was destined to be a doctor. Instead, she is underemployed as a mediocre magical calligrapher at the Fairy Temp Agency. Nevertheless, she challenges herself by covertly outfitting Luke, her client and crush, with high-powered glyphs. Half-Elk Luke, the agency's top security expert, has his own secret. He's responsible for a curse laid from an old assignment. To heal them, he'll need to perform his job duties with unrelenting excellence and earn time off from his tyrannical boss. When Elle saves Luke's life, they begin a dangerous collaboration, but their chemistry blooms. Happiness for once is an option for them both, but Elle is loyal to her family and Luke is bound by his true name. To win freedom from duty, they must make unexpected sacrifices. This just sounds so good. It has fantasy. It has romance. We have a really unique and cool magic system. I can't wait. This is Better Medicine by Mia Tsai. This is out March 14th.
1: Yes, I love this. I love the cover art. I think the style is really beautiful. I love the idea of this kind of like temp agency or job system of magical folks working to do things. Like, I want more of that. Give me office workplace comedy, but it's everyone is magical. Hell yeah. This This seems rad.
2: Yeah, it just seems really fun and a really unique take on some familiar, you know, fantasy and romance tropes that we love and go to time and time again.
0: So my next one is um, The Dance Tree by Kieran Millwood Hargrave. It is out March 14th. Y'all, this takes place during the dance plague of 1518, which if you are not familiar with the dance plague of 1518, people just started dancing. Didn't stop. For like several months. No one knows why. So in Strasbourg, 1518, in the midst of a blistering hot summer, a lone woman begins to dance in the city square. She dances for days without pause or rest. And when hundreds of other women join in, the men running in the city declare state of emergency and hire musicians to play the devil out of the mob. Outside the city, pregnant Lisbeth lives with her husband and mother-in-law, tending the bees that are the family's livelihood. Though Lisbeth is removed from the frenzy of the dancing plague afflicting the city's women, her own quiet life is upended by the arrival of her sister-in-law. Neth has been away for seven years, serving a penance in the mountains for a crime no one will name. It is a secret Lisbeth is determined to uncover. As the city buckles under the beat of a thousand feet, Lisbeth becomes caught in a dangerous web of deceit and clandestine passion— Like the woman of Strasbourg, she too is dancing to a dangerous tune. Set in an era of superstition, hysteria, an extraordinary change, and inspired by true events, the dance tree is an impassioned story of family secrets, forbidden love, and women pushed to the edge. I am fascinated by the dancing plague of 1518, where people just start dancing. And again, no one is entirely sure why. There are theories. No one really knows. They just started dancing. It's... (laughs)
1: what like I had never heard of that and now I want to know everything
0: everything I know I know it's just like one of those weird this like period in time of history has had like has these like weird microcosms of illness plagues like but but not in like the traditional yeah. sense where they come very briefly and then they don't ever come back. Like the dance plague, like during Henry VIII's time, there was like the sweating sickness that would come cyclically and then just like stopped happening. And I'm sure like a lot of it, like with the dance plague, a lot of it is like for the dance plague, one of the theories is that it is from essentially kind of like a mold that grew on the food that is structurally similar to like LSD. And so as- <laughs> That's one theory. That's one theory. Or like cleanliness. So like as society got better about perhaps like food preservation or cleanliness of various things, these things don't happen anymore. Um it's but this is this is the one of the most fascinating ones to me is is the dancing plague.
1: It's yep. so interesting how so many things come back to I don't know, we're gonna guess a weird mold. But uh, I mean like, means, the witch like trials, trials, for real though. Like The
0: Witch Trials. Yes, it's it's very, yes, it's similar to that idea of, of The Witch Trials and the mold that happened there. So,
1: My next title, out March 21st, is Lucha of the Night Forest. It's listed as an edge-of-your-seat fantasy about a girl who will do anything to protect her sister, even if it means striking a dangerous bargain. Dark forces, forgotten magic, and a heart-stopping queer romance make this young adult novel a must-read. So, we've got a scorned god, a mysterious acolyte, a forgetting drug, a dangerous forest, and one girl caught between the freedom she always wanted and a sister she can't bear to leave behind. Under the cover of Night Forest, will Lucha be able to step into her own power, or will she be consumed by it? It's a gorgeous, fast paced fantasy novel from acclaimed author Taylor K. Maya, and it's brimming with adventure, peril, romance, and family bonds and asks what it means for a teen girl to become fully herself. So that's Lucha of the Night Forest by Taylor K. Maya, out March 21st.
2: I love all these picks this month. I feel like they're a nice mix, but also somehow all the vibe
1: all the picks I'm trying to get back into like the level of fantasy I enjoy. So thank you for that inspiration, Emma.
2: (laughs) Anytime. And I think my picks are, I think true to me, but also a little bit more outside the box than normal, lots of debuts. You know, I love like a repeat, so (laughs) I'm proud of myself for finding quite a bit of debut books that I'm absolutely dying to read in March. The next of which is Thirst for Salt by Madeline Lucas. She is an Australian debut writer. Um, And so this book follows the love affair between a young woman and a much older man and the struggles that come along with that. The story is told from the present perspective of the unnamed woman, and she's sort of reflecting on their relationship in the past when she was in her 20s. So this just sounds great, gripping. I don't normally go for like literary fiction uh, because we know I'm a basic B, but this just really caught my eye because of the way in which the sort of relationship shows how magnetic some people can be, but then also how that magnetism doesn't necessarily equate to anything lasting. And it's just a really cool, I think, premise looking back on the choices you made in your youth and how they may impact how you are in the present from who you loved and to who you love now and all of those things. So that is Thirst for Salt by Madeline Lucas. Madeline, Madeline, apologies. Uh to either of those. And the cover is cool. Sorry. <laughs> like we like what we like. No, the cover is the cover is great. It reminds me of something, but I don't know what. Yeah,
1: I I totally get that.
2: Like maybe like a newspaper or like a magazine, like a tableau. I don't know. Or like yeah i don't know but it reminds
0: me of something there's a vibe
1: there's abs there's absolutely something that right i can't put my finger on it but it it it's like a like a polaroid from jfk era Mm -hmm. almost or something from Mm -hmm. then Mm about. i don't know
2: yeah exactly um and I mean, it takes place in an isolated Australian coastal town. I love a good book set in Australia just because the scenery is always stunning. Yeah. So, yeah, I love it. This I'm really excited to read. So my next one is um,
0: The Teachers by Alexander Robbins. It's out March 14th. I'm not going to talk too much about this because I have an interview with Alexandra coming on the podcast in a couple of weeks, which I'm super excited about. Um, but if you have read any of Alexander Robbins' previous books, um, or even if you have not, she is an investigative journalist who will pick um, a... I like to sort of... Say she likes to pick a certain like a niche community. Um, she's done sorority sisters, she's done fraternities, she's done nurses. Um, she will follow <laughs> three subjects, like willingly volunteers subjects for the course of a year and sort of look deeper into the the ins and outs of this particular community. So for this, it's it is teachers teaching in um, public schools in America, um, and it's it is phenomenal it is so good um so you have that interview with alexandra to look forward to but yeah the book is out march 14th
1: my last pick is a historical fiction fantasy title the adventures of amina al-sarafi by shannon chakraborty this is out march 2nd so shannon chakraborty is the best-selling author of the city of brass she's launching a new trilogy of magic and mayhem with this tale of pirates and sorcerers forbidden artifacts and ancient mysteries along with one woman's quest to seize a final chance at glory so a pirate of infamy and one of the most storied and scandalous captains to sail the seven seas amina al-sarafi has survived backstabbing rogues, vengeful merchant princes, several husbands, and one actual demon to retire peacefully with her family to a life of piety, motherhood, and absolutely nothing that hints of the supernatural. But when she's offered a job no bandit could refuse, she jumps at the chance for one final adventure with her old crew that will make her a legend and offers a fortune that will secure her and her family's future forever. Yet the deeper Amina dives, the higher the stakes get. For there's always risk in wanting to become a legend, to seize one last chance at glory, to savor just a bit more power, and the price might be your very soul. That is The Adventures of Amina al-Sarafi by Shannon Chakraborty, out March 2nd.
2: Really? Here for the fantasy picks this Uh, month.
1: Apparently, apparently I am feeling the fantasy vibes, and that is what I want to read. In the coming months,
2: <laughs> that is a perfect segue for my last pick, which is The God of Endings by Jacqueline Holland. So, this might be a book I read only for the cover, but let me tell you a little bit more about it if you need more information. So Library Journal says, this is great for fans of Interview with a Vampire in the Invisible Life of Addie LaRue. That was pretty much all I needed. Again, the cover was all I needed. This LJ endorsement was all I needed. But then I continued and it keeps getting better and better. Vampires. Okay. So Colette has been hiding a dark truth. She's immortal. In 1834, her grandfather granted her the gift of eternal life, and since then, she's endured centuries of turmoil and heartache. She pretty much watched everyone that she knew and loved die of tuberculosis, and now 150 years later, she's alone and working as an artist running an elite fine art school for children in upstate New York. So her life is suddenly upended because A gifted child from a troubled home arrives. There's also a stalking presence from her past, and she mysteriously keeps growing hungrier and hungrier for blood to the point that it's almost insatiable. So, this book combines brilliant prose with breathtaking suspense. The God of Endings serves as a larger exploration of the human condition in all its complexity, asking us the most fundamental question, is life in this world a gift or a curse? This sounds so good. So I love a good philosophical vampire story. And this had me again at the cover, at the endorsement that it was similar to Interview with a Vampire and The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue. And um, it's also recommended for fans of Catherine Arden and Sophie Anderson, so if any of those things are your jam, "The God of Endings" by Jacqueline Holland is out March seventh.
0: I feel like that's always one thing that's missing from vampire narratives is that sort of like Addie Larue element of like living. I mean, I guess they do a little bit in "Interview with the Vampire," but that's also old. So, like, let's give us some more contemporary ones, please.
2: Yeah, the just outliving everyone you know. Right, it's sort of skated around in certain retellings, but in others, they're just like five hundred years old and chillin', and there's like no, there's
1: no sadness, consequence, acknowledgement of what that must be like.
0: Right, exactly. Because even with Interview the Vampire, they're all vampires, and so it's not really that same thing. They've made
1: a found family of like people who aren't going to outlive them.
0: Correct. Yeah so that's yeah that sounds super good um my last one is hang the moon by jeanette walls best author of the glass castle she is back with a riveting new novel about an indomitable young woman in virginia during prohibition so sally kincaid is the daughter of the biggest man in a small town the charismatic duke kincaid Born at the turn of the 20th century into a life of comfort and privilege, Sally remembers little about her mother who died in a violent argument with the Duke. By the time she is just eight years old, the Duke has remarried and had a son, Eddie. While Sally is her father's daughter, sharp-witted and resourceful, Eddie is his mother's son, timid and cerebral. When Sally tries to teach young Eddie to be more like their father, her daredevil coaching leads to an accident and Sally is cast out. Nine years later, she returns, determined to reclaim her place in the family. That's a lot more complicated than Sally expected, and she enters a world of conflict and lawlessness. Sally confronts the secrets and scandals that hide in the shadows of the big house, navigates the factions in the family and town, and finally comes into her own as a bold, sometimes reckless bootlegger. You will fall in love with Sally Kincaid, a feisty and fearless, terrified and damaged young woman who refuses to be corralled. Uh, Yes, please. Female bootlegger. I'm here for it. Uh, So that is Hang the Moon by Jeanette Walls and it's out March 20th.
1: Thank you all so much for listening to our vibes today. We hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. And as always, happy reading.
0: Bye, nerds. Bye. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode on Overdrive.com and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen Podcasts, visit evergreenpodcast.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Emma Dwyer, Jill Grunewald, and Joe Skelly and presented by Overdrive. To learn more, visit professionalbooknerds.com.
2: Hey nerds, I'm Sarah, the paper nerd, and if you've ever wondered what goes into that greeting card you just sent or received, well, quite a lot. Get your paper fix on the paper fold where I host an enchanting mix of personalities and players all nerding out on my favorite topic, stationery. From the designs of our snail mail communications to the precious space created when two people correspond, there's a lot to cover. So come grab a seat in the stationery community's only five-star paper salon, the paper fold. Now part of the Evergreen Podcast Network.